0: Hello and welcome back to the Move Against Cancer podcast. My name's Lucy Gossage. I'm an oncologist. I love outdoor adventures. And this is a podcast brought to you by Move Charity. So this week's podcast is a bit of a bonus. We hadn't actually planned to release another one before Christmas. But yesterday, when I was browsing Twitter in the bath, I saw a message from an amazing lady called Nicola Nuttall. Nicola also calls herself Shit Scared Mum on Twitter. Nicola's daughter, Laura, has an aggressive brain tumour, and together, since Laura was diagnosed four years ago, they've been speaking publicly, both about Laura's diagnosis, but also, and this is how I heard about them, Laura's incredible bucket list. Nicola and I had been chatting about doing the podcast a couple of months back, but Laura then got some bad news and had to have some more radiotherapy. so we left it that Nicola would message me if and when things settle down. And last night, Nicola did get in touch and said, if they still wanted to chat, if that we still wanted to chat, they had time. Now, it's the Sunday before Christmas, and I've actually spent the last 10 days more or less housebound because of COVID. I've been functioning at around 50%, and I wouldn't normally use a Sunday afternoon to do a podcast. But from what I've seen and read about Laura and Nicola, I'm fairly confident that this will be a conversation that, while it will be emotionally challenging at times will ultimately be one that makes me smile. Laura's determined to eke out every possible bit of joy from her life. And what better way to get in the Christmas spirit than by chatting to a family doing just that? I'm really looking forward to this, and I hope you are too. Hello, Laura and Nicola. Um, thank you so much for joining me. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's the Sunday before Christmas, actually. Um, I know you guys had Christmas about a month ago, How does it feel to be getting ready for your second Christmas? Did you take the decorations down or have you left them up?
1: No, we've still got the decorations up. We've had the decorations up for probably about a month now, haven't we? I would say. Very festive. And we've just had Gracie's 21st and then it's Laura's 23rd this week. So December's always a little bit chaotic in our house.
2: And extra chaotic this year.
1: (laughs) When's
0: your birthday, Laura? Uh, It's on the 23rd.
2: Oh, do you, know, do you know
0: what mine's? Mine's Christmas Day, oh. but I, my mum, when I was little, um, she used to give me. A, I used to have a special day in June because it's rubbish having a birthday in December, isn't it?
2: It is. It is. I mean, last year it was particularly rubbish because the day before I had brain surgery, <laughs> so I ended up waking up on my twenty-second birthday in hospital. Hmm. So. Right. It can it. They can always be better than last time. So <laughs> you
0: just gotta well, really
2: get... try and appreciate it. I suppose. Yeah. yeah so. I guess
0: that's one way. One way of looking at it. And from what I can tell, that's how you've how you look at every bit of rubbish that comes up in in life.
2: You've got to find some way of dealing with it. So just trying to make it positive in
0: any way you can is see what I try and do <laughs> so tell me about the early Christmas because that became um became quite a big story Nicola how how did that come about and 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 why
1: well uh we went for Laura's uh three-monthly scan at the end of September I can't remember days now, at the end of September and the the tumor had grown back so she had a fourth brain surgery um and it went as oh, as well as it could be and she came out the next day and that was fine and started to recover. And then, uh, let me think what happened. Another scan. Yeah, the, you had the, 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 the scan two weeks after showed that the tumor had already grown back in that period and it was three weeks when we saw the scan so it was we knew it had grown probably even more than the scan had shown us so then we had to bring radiotherapy forward and, and do that as an emergency and sort of halfway through that the radiotherapy period we thought well we'll we'll do Christmas now because I don't know from uh, how poorly Laura was last time and the fact that she's going to lose her hair again and be really tired so well Why don't we try and do Christmas before she gets really poorly with the radiotherapy? So, yeah, so we just brought it all forward. Um, We were helped out. It's quite tricky finding a a turkey just before Christmas, actually. (laughs) I can imagine. They're they're, they're actually timed to arrive in December, not any earlier. But fortunately for us, M&S did happen to see the tweet and got in touch and and helped us out with all the food so yeah so it just felt like a normal christmas really didn't it it was slightly different because we've had a A lot of people gave us a lot of people gave us cards back in november and food and And, uh, we've had a ukrainian family living with us as well so it was their first christmas in the uk um but yeah it was it just felt like a normal christmas other than the fact that the weather was actually pretty mild well, um, but all we still the family have.
2: family over. It was really nice. It yeah. was
1: really nice, but we still got some presents to open. Uh, we just we just kind of did the meal and did the, the games and things like that. So we still got presents for actual Christmas Day and for actual yes. birthday.
2: And <laughs> we also like to make us mm-hmm. awesome because we do uh, a certain event on Boxing Day. 18. Yeah, this was Laura's idea when she was first diagnosed. We
1: so many people really really kind to us, and we just saw so much of the best of human nature. And Laura really wanted to put something back. And so we have a children's play center called Giddy Kippers which is just down the road in Nelson. And Laura said instead of a Christmas present she wanted us to open Giddy Kippers up and invite uh, families who are struggling financially or young carers or refugee families to come down. We cook Christmas dinner for about 200 and we have a house literally full of presents that I am in the process of wrapping because we have Santa there as well. So Christmas is really busy. We have the whole family here. And then on Boxing Day, we have like another 200 for Christmas <laughs> dinner. But fortunately,
2: I don't do you the washing that, up. move it forward and then we have more time. Yeah. And...
0: So yeah, the first yeah. Christmas was for you guys and the second Christmas <laughs> is for everybody else.
1: Yeah, well, that'll be the third one. <laughs> but no, it's good. You can't have too much Christmas, really, can you? We'll sleep in January.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Laura, was that your your idea then to do the the the, the Boxing Day party?
2: Yeah, I, we just had uh, a lot of resources and I just thought after everyone's been so nice to us offering us things, donating money i thought i've got to try and do something that will i don't know give back to the community that have given to us Mm. and um yeah and through through lockdown when
1: we weren't working we were also helping out with um a food bank near us called curry on the street so i think i think working with them really showed us how much um poverty there is just just literally down the road and out of sight that you don't you don't realize how much poverty there is in your own neighborhood and we were able to help out with that on a
2: on a Thursday night and a Saturday night and um, Um, we've been so lucky and then they've not so yeah it's kind
1: of we have seen so much kindness so much of the best of human nature haven't we really Mm. we've been very it
0: amazes me to hear I mean you've just said Laura we've been so lucky that's an incredible thing for someone with a brain tumor to be able to say
2: I suppose it is yeah <laughs> the people have just been so nice donating events uh, do- donating their time hmm. money so I can get treatment Laura's often thought that if she was going to have
1: this at least she had it at the the best time she only just started at King's she hadn't really got stuck into to university life so the timing, was right. the timing wasn't too bad we, we had a an A&E doctor who did a scan that night so we were lucky in the sense that we didn't have to struggle to get a diagnosis it was very quick and yeah. And lots of little things that might on on the whole not look like the best look Because I don't feel like we've been especially lucky as a family in some ways well,
2: And the fact that I was over in America for the whole yeah. summer And
1: you were back in time I mean it, it could have happened Just when she was no. in, in Chicago And that would have been a nightmare and uh, the fact that she joined the Royal Navy and they had requested a medical which involved the eye test. So without the eye test, I don't think she'd have got the scan. Mm. So lots of little things and added and up I to. If I hadn't
2: got the scan, then I wouldn't have had the appointment two weeks later. And if I hadn't had that appointment, I might not be here. Yeah. Oh.
1: Seizure on the morning.
0: She should have been having oh, her week. surgery. You just uh, broke up a little bit You just broke up for about 10 seconds
1: Sorry, I think it was a call coming through Laura had a massive tonic, clonic seizure On the the morning of her surgery So we were up at 5 o'clock to get to surgery And we went into the room And she looked like she was fine She had her eyes open, she was staring at the ceiling But we just thought that was stress Of the fact that she was going to have this this First major brain surgery And then Mark went back up to check on her And realised that actually, although her eyes were open She was completely unconscious And then she went from being just unconscious to having a a huge seizure. And if we hadn't had the surgery planned for that day, if we hadn't been up so early, she would have just choked on the vomit and and died because she was unconscious for the whole day. Um, we we're very lucky that they still went ahead with surgery in those circumstances. So, although the diagnosis itself is is not what you would consider good luck, <laughs> mm-hmm. since then we you know a lot lots of things conspired to make the the whole process as easy as it could have been. It could have been so much worse. And the kindness that we've received from just the world, the universe, has been incredibly generous to us as well.
0: Have you always been I like my mum used to, to bring me up with a phrase, you can have your cup half full or your cup half empty. Have you always been cup half full kind of people? Or has this has this come about from um, your cancer? Mean, we've
2: we've always been quite um, I do say blessed in life, I would say.
0: Yeah, but
1: I don't think you've e think your I think your personality changed slightly when you were diagnosed. I yeah. think you've become a lot more aware of other people. Yeah. And
2: um, I think
1: before before she was diagnosed, Laura was very, very focused. She had a seven year plan. She was going to Chicago (laughs) for the summer. She was coming back. She would graduate. She would move to London. She would get a job. She had basically a seven year plan and she knew exactly what she was going to be doing and very little got in the way of what Laura's plan was. And then obviously that was completely and utterly derailed and i think that since then i think that's kind of changed your attitude to the world a little bit yeah you've
2: just got to like take what comes instead of trying to plan it
1: and make the best of of the of what you the have situation. you know find find the good bits in the bad bits really and and i think that's what that's what we try and do isn't it yeah
2: i try to use them to like learn a bit more the <laughs> the i've done a lot of crazy bucket list stuff and but
0: tell me about the bucket list cuz i think this is this is fantastic and you've done some super amazing stuff
2: um so i kind of did what i thought like normal people would do if they <laughs> if they hear that they've got what 12 to 18 months to live
0: mm. create a bucket list so is that what you were told when you were diagnosed pretty much yeah mm. Um Yeah,
1: and the number one thing was she wanted to get a degree and she was told at the time, Laura said to the, the surgeon, Will I be able to go back to university this year or do I need to wait for next year? And he said, I'm sorry, you won't you won't ever go back to university. So we were given very little hope and it was because it is such an aggressive cancer and it had grown so quickly we were told really 12 months so to make the best of the time we thought you know rather than just wait for chemotherapy and radiotherapy and and just have appointments on the calendar we should just try and make the best of the time so Laura started off with an initial list that just had I think 10 or 12 things on it didn't it but then what happened is lots of people got in touch and said um I don't know anything about that i can't help with that but how about this would you find this experience and do you want to come and spy
2: amazingly though
1: oh that's weird (laughs) so um so lots has happened really since then and laura's been able to she's got a license taken off her because obviously the, the the condition that she's got meant she wasn't considered safe to drive and she just got her advanced driving and passed the test so one of the things was to drive as many things as possible so just to
2: show that i can still drive
1: <laughs> <laughs> so she i think we've worked out you've driven about 15 different vehicles of different sizes including tanks safari vehicle a tube train tractor motorbike what else boat boat warship yacht masses of things so yeah, she's been. Has, she's had some really great opportunities to get out crane. and do do crazy. Digger. Oh yeah, crane, pink digger, what? masses what? of things.
2: What? Yeah, What's was the, up what? in? Um, what what would they call them? On a fire.
1: Truck. Yeah, an aerial platform.
2: Twenty-seven meters in the air. What that was, was on that?
1: Friday. Yeah, just that recently so uh we had somebody got in touch with us on twitter and said do you fancy coming down and uh spending the day at the fire station so yeah of course we do of course we do why wouldn't you
2: they offered me to um to go up in on the back of a um a fire truck and the crane would go 27 uh, meters in the air Mm. And how can you say no to that? <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> would because it is very high. It was an aerial platform,
1: wasn't it? It's a little the bit wobbly. Great though. Great views, but when it gets when it's windy, it does start a wobble, which is a little bit terrifying.
0: I <laughs> mean, yeah. I was just I was googling you because there's been a lot. You know, you've you've been in quite a lot of papers and things about the bucket list, and you've done. <laughs> I was actually in, I was in fits of hysterics watching you try to present the the weather and, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> actually present the weather. Oh, is it that <laughs> funny? When you the, were practicing. No, when you did it, you oh. looked great. But I think they showed some of the outtakes at the start. Uh-huh. That yeah. What's the What's the best things? Well, oh, best things, I'm sure it's impossible to, to name one. What are the best things that you've done? Um, I quite enjoyed
2: spending a day with the Greater Manchester Police.
0: Yeah,
1: that's because they let her shoot guns. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to say that. <laughs> that was the best bit wasn't it <laughs> for you yeah and seeing
1: Didn't the you? drug
2: dogs yeah I got like a very
1: um yeah it was like a wide uh, and, it, and just a a window on lots of different police careers yeah, yeah. and then they, they invited us to to get involved with a, a public order training event so it was all the the three emergency services and uh lots of people uh rioting so we were we were rioters throwing um <laughs> wooden bricks at the police and hiding in tower blocks and things like that. That was really that was good fun, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: So I've I've actually managed to spend um time with quite a few mm-hmm. um people in different occupations and that's kind of given me an insight into mm. life and what I uh like want to do Mm. after
1: this she's a bit like mr ben she she Mm. get to try on other people's uniform and do like you've done some time with the navy you've been with the police you've been with the fire service we went to the the clink prison that was really well the clink restaurant in uh, brixton prison that was really interesting so it's no it's not been a traditional bucket list that most people would
2: one of the first things we did was go to the heinz
0: beans factory Mm. (laughs) pretty amazing
1: that was really good I guess I guess
0: I guess there's an element that people imagine if they're told they have a brain tumor they want to do all this crazy stuff but actually something I realize is that sometimes the normal is the most appealing. Mm.
1: Yeah I think it's been a mixture really and uh, some things we just never would have imagined and one of the things on the list was Laura wanted to cross the equator And I remember looking at that and thinking, well, that's going to be a very long shot. How are we going to manage to to do that? But then it happened that British Airways got in touch because it was their centenary and they were doing 100 random acts of kindness. And they said, "Uh, do you fancy flying business class to South Africa and going on safari? So completely out of the blue, (laughs) they uh, arranged that for us and and we we went out and, and... and went on safari, and that was only like what was it? Five months after? No, no, it was probably about six months after you'd had surgery, your first surgery, and you'd not long finished uh, radiotherapy, and you were still on chemo drugs, and and we were That's out good. there. Yeah, you were quite tired, but we managed to pull that off. And then you went to New York not long after that as well. I went to see Saturday Night Live being filmed, and we went to MoMA, and we just we just did lots and lots of things. And, and I'm I'm quite conscious that sometimes. There's too many things and I schedule too much. And then, I, then Laura gets really tired and she's like, no, mm-hmm. no, I'm not tired. Yeah, Keep cool. doing it. <laughs> gone great. Yeah, we haven't. There's, a, there's only one time where I think we overstretched ourselves and we went to a music festival in Portugal that we'd been to before and it was really good. But Laura got really poorly and ended up on a drip. And I don't speak any Portuguese, and I had no idea what they're putting in there. <laughs> and that was that was the, the, one of the moments where I just thought, "Oh my God, what have I done here? This. this is too This is too much." But it was okay in the end. It's, okay. <laughs> it's just
2: nothing major bad. Yeah,
1: you. it's just finding where that line is, where you kind of get the yeah. most you possibly can, but don't push it too far. <laughs>
0: And and Laura, you you say the bucket list started with you wanting to finish your degree and you did, you got a two one this year, which is just incredible. How how hard was it to what well, to go back to university and then to manage to do the degree whilst you're going to Germany for treatment, whilst you're having scans, surgeries, everything that's going on?
2: The university was actually quite good with me. It kind of understood the situation. Um, but yeah, it was something that I, I've i always wanted to do and I wasn't going to let this put me off um, I'm sorry but it was hard wasn't it? it was hard, yeah, especially when I was like really, really tired because of mm. medication or surgery or anything um, it was tough to try and, and work on an essay and attend lectures and stuff but
1: yeah, and there was times when I feel really guilty because I knew she had a deadline and I'd be like, just,
2: just, just do half an hour, just get it done,
1: and because I wanted it to be a waste, so You shouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah. But it's hard when you're really tired, isn't it? Just, it
0: is not it And You just want to sleep or Couldn't watch rubbish really. telly and stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: Because but- your brain is what you it, you know, of all the cancers to so get brain, your brain tumors obviously affect your brain and probably make you more tired than a lot of other cancers, but you have to use your brain to get, to get the work done
2: yeah
0: yeah that was tough
2: we did it
1: though it was tough and it was also covid as well so yeah my first and <laughs> most of
2: my second year I it was mostly online
1: which in a way did work work in your favor to a did. degree I could,
2: I could have like watch lectures in Germany
1: yeah because that Cute. that's challenging the traveling and stuff as well
0: yeah. Do your do your friends Laura, do they do they know about your diet your uni friends did they know about your diagnosis and get it?
2: Well, getting it that's quite a difficult thing if they haven't had personal experience they don't mm. really know it. But one of the first things I did in January after I was diagnosed, I joined um um the brain tumor charities young ambassadors program. Mm-hmm. So it was me and I think there was about twenty yeah, twenty odd of you, twenty yeah. odd um, people that were affected by brain tumours in some way, and we had this we have this group, and that made it a bit easier mm. because they all had something similar, mm-hmm. and they understand understood what it was like writing essays, etc. Yeah or being like turned down by people. And actually, well, on paper, some of them, some of their brain tumors looked not as bad as mine. Their side effects and their symptoms have been way worse. Mm. Like not being able to see or hear or walk on one side, which has always kind of kept me a bit grounded and, and thinking, i've not got it, it bad
0: do you find it because i i guess making friends with people who with cancer is it's a massive support but it must also be really really hard sometimes
2: yeah it can be draining Mm-hmm. Um, but and you don't want it to be the much the most I important
1: imagine. thing about you. The fact that you yeah. have cancer, you know, you don't you don't want that to be the one thing that people
2: know no, about that you. Can be more interesting. Than
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard for your, your your old friends as well, isn't it? You know, some of them have been brilliant, and others less so because they don't necessarily know how to deal with it or what yeah. to say, and they
0: avoid
2: so many only so many times you can say how are you? Yeah, and I'm here for you, etc. Yeah, Which does is that, that that
0: feels like that's something that that annoys you a bit? I mean,
2: it doesn't annoy me, but I don't really know what to say to it. <laughs>
1: how are are you? How are you? Well, <laughs> fine, fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: almost easier,
1: isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult.
0: Um, how about you, Nicola? Because you're, uh, uh, you know, you're you're quite. Well known on Twitter, in um, in you've got mm-hmm. I don't know, a lot of followers, um, and I guess you get a lot of positive energy from it. Do you ever, you know, has that helped you? But has it also become sometimes? Is it can it be can it be challenging having to? Yeah, I mean, it has been. It's been a real sort. I mean, I set it up
1: originally because it it gave me a, a platform to say things that I couldn't actually say to the people that knew me. So it was an anonymous. Uh, it was an anonymous Twitter ID as it were and that hasn't actually worked <laughs> particularly well because everyone knows it's me now anyway what, what
0: do you mean you wanted to say stuff to people that you couldn't say
1: well I think I think it's a very dark time and you're maintaining a, a front of positivity all the time if quite frantically um and sometimes you want to say the the dark things that, that Scream, you can't say yes. because yeah it's screaming into the void isn't it essentially and and that was just a place where I, I was able to to kind of just say what was on my mind rather than having to think well what's the impact of what I say on Laura's sister or on Laura or on her dad or anything I like sometimes or, or on my parents you know who are all devastated so in a way You know, if you're talking to people that have no knowledge of who you are, in a way, that was easier. But it obviously isn't the case anymore now. Um, Oh, bless you. uh, And it has been, you know, it's a really supportive community. The only thing is you do get a lot of people who either tell you things that you already know as if you have spent four years in a cave,
0: not (laughs) doing any
1: research. Have you tried this? (laughs) have you tried that what you need to do is you should be looking at this you know things that i've been doing for four years or that i've uh we've looked at and we've we've ruled out or you know and and that gets a bit repetitive saying thanks however <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the things that we laura just use cannabis oil and we've used that for four years but a lot of people think that they're they're telling you something you will have no idea about or you know dc vax uh, and ver- there's various nice other things it's care. nice that they care but um it, it's a little bit i think you might call it mansplaining a little bit i mean it's not just restricted mm-hmm. to men but it but there's a little bit of that where you know, the first thing that we did was research and research and research and find out everything that we could and you know exhaust absolutely every possible route for treatment and, and they, it's, don't, it's they don't they don't know just
2: that. that though the fact that i'm still living mum. Yes inundated with people asking what i'm doing there's a
1: bit of that as well yeah. people are wanting to know what we have done so we set she up makes
2: complete sense
1: yeah yeah so we set up a website and there's a tips page that that does detail all the all the things that we've done with laura just because we were we were having to repeat the same information all the time so we thought we might put it in a in a central place and then if people find it useful then it's there and it's a, a resource but because people see laura in the media and they think oh she's you know four years in and she's doing okay we need to find out what she's done and that's what i would do Um, their position as well because you feel quite isolated there's there's certain cancers where you could quite easily access information or or know someone who knows someone who's had it that you could ask but glioblastoma and brain cancer it's not that common it's getting more common unfortunately but you you do look for people that you can you can get support from so we also set up a facebook page where other people could support each other so it wasn't just me giving out information it was other people contributing as well
0: and, and you set it up initially to um to say things that, that you didn't feel able to say to those close to you do they now laura do you ever look at your mum's twitter
2: sometimes i'm on twitter and a random picture of me
0: just
2: up, you ever go i didn't say that <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah sometimes uh um, when it's like the media yeah um, when it's an interview that you're an doing interview, yeah. yeah that's it's <laughs> it was quite new to me because i would never put myself in front of a camera willingly <laughs> and then this happened and now i'm like daily mail <laughs> Good and, reports
1: and, yeah. mm. everything.
0: why why do, and why do you do that laura like what is it that you do you you get stuff from there at all is it about awareness or
2: it's about awareness i Mm. wouldn't be doing it otherwise people they need to know the symptoms i was lucky um but not everyone is Mm. and they need to they need to know so we can improve this
1: yeah so you know if we improve awareness Uh, and funding and research everything is connected isn't it so it's two things really it's one to make sure that people know what symptoms to look out for and we have had some people get in touch with us to say that you know it was the head smart cart that we picked up from you or it was something that we'd read that made us realize that we needed to get help and if we can if we can speed up somebody's diagnosis Mm. and just make the just increase the awareness generally that's since Laura became a young ambassador that's been really important to her yeah uh, pr- prior to this she wouldn't have had any interest in, in being uh, p- so public but
2: gosh no. yeah but, but it, it's important stuff, it needs to get out there. Mm. it's the biggest cancer killer of um children children and adults under 40 but gets like like
1: two percent percent of
2: overall cancer funding yeah. mm which it just, just doesn't make, make sense, sense. It really no, doesn't.
1: Those, those two statistics just don't seem to tie up, do they? That's it funny. can be such a killer and yet so badly funded.
0: Yeah. It sounds like that that's something that makes you quite angry. Is that a fair word?
2: It does. I'm not
0: angry at the fact that I've got it, but
2: the fact that, those are the statistics, mm.
1: mm-hmm. and and even in the last four years, we've known so many families that that have lost people, people that we've got to know either online or even meeting up. and And when it's children, it's just it breaks you. It absolutely breaks us every time, doesn't it? It's not fair. And you know, we we met up with a uh, uh, two sisters when we were in Germany uh, that were having treatment at the same clinic. And, and when we lost Rhea, it was just, it was heartbreaking because you feel, mm. you feel they're lost, don't you? you it, it's a loss to all of us. So that, it's hard being in a community where
0: people die so fast. It's really it hard. Is. Do you ever think about, about dying, Laura? I mean, it's tough
2: not to when you've got terminal cancer, but I don't try and focus on it Mm -hmm. you're too busy living aren't you really yeah
0: do you know I saw I think I saw on your Twitter um Nicola a message that you got um from someone just you know thinking about why you share your story and and I wrote it down Laura you changed my life I began to live again after my diagnosis because of you that's amazing isn't it
2: wow (laughs) <laughs> Some of the the things people <laughs> write, I just can't really comprehend. Yeah,
0: this kind of blows your mind. A, I just think that's such a powerful thing because you can't change your diag. No one can change their diagnosis. It happens, but you can change how you deal with it. And and if you're doing that, and that was one person, think how many other people you're doing that by being on the news, by being in the papers, doing this amazing stuff
2: sometimes I don't really feel like I'm doing much but then I hear stuff like that and it kind of reaffirms Mm. me.
1: Laura doesn't really you don't really get it do you?
2: I don't I'm just (laughs) just (laughs) uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I get it because I think I think I think if it was me I don't think I would put myself out there like you do I think I think the I, th- I mean, it's hard to imagine what you'd be like in any situation until you're in there, but I think to, g- to keep going out into the world and to keep taking it on and thinking, yeah, I can do that, yeah, I'm going to have a go at that, when actually the human nature would probably make me feel like I would want to just kind of roll up in a blanket and no one talk to me for a, a good year or something.
2: And it's-, it's the community and mm. family that get me out there and keep me positive. As much as I can be positive. Yeah. What I find <laughs>
0: even more inspiring is that from the sounds of it, you don't particularly enjoy being in the limelight. So you're doing it more for a bigger a bigger picture than for yourself.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah That's absolutely before
1: she went to Chicago, Laura basically had deleted any any social media accounts that she had because it's just it just wasn't her thing. So she just would be more than happy to be under the radar at all times and now she's the absolute opposite so it, it really is I don't like it it's really not Laura's thing I'm at all I'm only doing
2: it because of this, the symptoms and- yeah. yeah
1: but you, you you've you done you've done amazing work as a result of it and she's I mean in fact last week she got sent the um outstanding achievement award from the brain tumour charity for the oh, awareness raising that she's doing and and I I just feel really proud that Instead of looking into herself, she's looking outwards to see how she can make mm. life better for other people and and improve other people's outcomes. and I think it, it takes a lot of guts to do that and to put yourself out there when you're feeling crap and you know you've just lost your hair and you, and the natural instinct would be to just hide away but it's not gold. it's not it's not your instinct, is it? you know you no. you're quite happy to, to do it for the greater good.
2: Yeah, I don't mind when I walk into a room and everyone looks at my head because I've, I've got no hair. Um, I mind, actually. I mind.
0: What's been the hardest bit, Laura, over the last four years?
2: Um, probably um, losing touch with friends that don't really know what to say. Hmm. Um. I mean, I don't know what I'd be like if one of my friends, this suddenly happened to them. Mm -hmm. It's been tough as well because like, whilst I was having a year out um, getting surgery and treatment, all my peers were at uni and they were Mm -hmm. like having a great time there Um, because I was on medication and stuff. I wasn't drinking, I wasn't having like the normal uni oh. experience, I wasn't going out every night um, and that kind of crushed me for a little while but I've, got, I've made quite a few good friends who kind of understood that and, and were like, um, it's all right, we can still have a good night. Mm. Not I think you,
1: it's interesting because some some friends kind of run towards and, and it's not always the ones that you expect. And some literally just step away. And I think that happens to anyone with a diagnosis like this. You, do, yeah. you really do find out who your friends are. And some friends are spectacularly amazing, aren't they? And, yeah. and do all kinds of fantastic things. Um, but it is, it is, it is revealing. It is revealing. But I would say, on a wider basis, like in the the whole community wise, I think that yeah. people couldn't have done more really to help.
2: No. And
0: been an incredible, incredible amount of support. Yeah,
2: we'll be yeah,
0: we have so much to be grateful for. We do. Yeah, we do. I guess there's an element, isn't there, that that you because you were at university or just you just started uni, weren't hadn't you, when you yeah. were diagnosed? About
2: six that... weeks in, just moved in.
0: If you normalize talking about not just cancer but long-term health conditions at school and at university, people at least get exposed to that, um, and and yeah, I, it's something I see very commonly with with patients. They say that you know their friends don't know what to say and some of them do and some of them don't exactly what you just said and actually it's it's mm-hmm. not their closest friends who often turn out to be the the rocks that yeah. are there for them. but it does feel like there's there's work that could be done to make that less common.
1: Yeah. And I think it's what you've grown up with as well, you know, if you've if you've had experiences within your family life of anything really, you, you're you're gonna be more supportive and understanding of it, aren't you? Really?
2: Yeah. And also like telling people. Um, like I I made an effort like if I was gonna join a sports group or something, I'd let them know. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. not for like any sort of pity sake, just to keep them updating
1: Mm. you don't want anyone to treat you any differently do you really but sometimes circumstances mean you need to take a rest or you need to
2: took up what was a chinese um kickboxing yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) throw that one in
1: (laughs) yeah of course you should laura did taekwondo up to black belt level when you were what was it when you were 14 you got your black belt and i think it's difficult isn't it and also things like steroids make make that whole yeah. physical thing really tricky and does, she was yeah. on an immunotherapy drug which really affected her joints uh caused um, arthritis didn't it for a, a good six months
2: and i couldn't walk properly and that was a bit of a blow mm. um yeah so yeah, steroids just mean eat are, everything steroids are really and tough and put on loads of weight which i don't like at all no. however we did do some running we we did the um Great North Run. Great North
0: Run. Yeah. So we I didn't... love this because it's a Move Against Cancer podcast. Invariably, even if I don't bring up running, people feel that they have to drop it in there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's brilliant. When did you do the Great North Run then? September. Yeah. <laughs> this year? <laughs> I
1: like to call it a Great
2: North Walk.
0: You that do, doesn't right? matter. That, it was, that's amazing.
1: It was only two weeks later we found out you had a really quite considerable tumour growth Back and you still did the Great North Run, even though that sh- that would have probably been causing symptoms. Oh yeah. So the four of us did it together for the brain tumor charity, and um, yeah, it
2: was a really good day, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Especially a bit- finishing it.
1: Yeah, a bit bit yeah. tough towards the end. But, did you uh, all do it together? The four yeah, of you we together? Did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How long did and it if- take? Oh, ages. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. What we we what, ran
2: over the finish line. Yes, there, we so.
1: did. And what we did was. Um, we we actually um, we we took a we we ran with collection buckets and we also ran with a with a, a, a pad of paper and and in this book each uh, mile was dedicated to different people that we knew from the brain tumor community some that yeah. we'd lost. And some that were still fighting, and every and at every mile marker, we'd stop and take a photograph and dedicate the mile to the people in the book. So it was really nice to take to take those people yeah. with us. Inspiration in a way. to get to the next. Mile. Yeah. So so
0: it was more about that than it was about the speed or anything. Oh, wasn't that it? sounds yeah. a fantastic day. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> so you, you, we have to get you to a five k your way group one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I'll absolutely. We need to find out. No, yes, the as well. Yeah.
1: Well, you might well, you know, you, we might well get you back up to part run generally and just take it easy and try. I think it's difficult. Yeah. I know that I find it difficult because I used to run better than I run now. And it's hard when you're not as good as you used to be because you feel that people and are people judging and, you, yeah. and you're like, oh, she used to be good. She's rubbish now. But actually... No one really cares. It's only you, it's only you that cares yeah. yourself. Yeah, that, that kind of puts
0: pressure on. I'm trying to <laughs> get myself healthy again. again. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's listening. so much. It's so not about about speed. And anyone who thinks that, I think you'd be surprised. I doubt. I doubt. I you know. I think very 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 few people would think that. Most people would just be wow, she's out there giving it a go, whether or not they know about your cancer. Mm. Yeah. No, we're big believers in partner, aren't we? what are your (laughs) t-shirts yeah
1: um
0: nicola i i asked laura what the hardest part of all of this was can i ask you the same question um the hardest part is seeing the hardest part is
1: not crying when someone asks you a question like that (laughs) the hardest part is um seeing laura in pain seeing laura Mm -hmm. in pain last week she was admitted to the Christie. she was in for two nights she had horrific headaches and was horrifically sick every 10 minutes. And it was when when you can't help, when you can't fix it and everything you're trying isn't working. And she's just throwing up all the anti-nausea um, medication and nothing is staying down. And, you know, just looking at Laura and seeing her face and thinking, you said to me at one point, I can't carry on like this. And I just thought, of course you can't. And it was, and it was awful. Um, and not being able to help. That that was that's the worst bit, I mean we've got a great team and we we took her into the Christie, and she came out two days later, a lot better than she went in. but I think as a mom you just you just want to be the person that fixes things, and it's very hard when you can't mm. it's yeah,
0: really good job, tough. <laughs> I always try and tell parents that you know you you just strike me as you've you've you couldn't have done more you yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'd quite something I'd quite like to explore is is getting the treatment in Germany, and that mm. that must have been it's a massive thing massive. on so many levels. Well, it was one of those things that we we looked down the. I don't know if you're familiar with the DC
1: Vax, and we we looked mm. at that, and our oncologist had said, "Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of frozen tumor saved from the surgery." So we started to raise funds for that, and then he came back to us and said, "Actually, that's not right. There's there's hardly any." So so that door closed for us and that was hugely disappointing um and then we found a clinic in germany that could do something similar using white blood cells rather than the tumor tissue so we went out for a meeting with professor van Gul at isak in cologne and he talked us through his research and obviously it's not a trial as such but it's also still quite an experimental treatment but the rules are different in germany and it's all not for profit and um, it's, it's quite a different setup. Uh, out there and we uh, we yeah we trusted him we liked him and we, we, we what he said made a lot of sense and although the idea of going out there every kind of four to six weeks at the time I just thought that is virtually impossible how on earth are we going to do that but it's amazing what you can do if you really need to and yeah. um, the treatment that she has out there it lasts basically an hour a day it's fairly straightforward um uh, so there's two things one that she has an immunotherapy treatment every time she goes out but she's also had a series of dendritic vaccines out there and neopeptides through a clinic called CGATS that does a lot of analysis um and the, the vaccines are very expensive unfortunately that, that that technology is just really expensive whether it's in the uk or in germany but the other treatment is electrohypothermia and a virus which is there's more talk about sort of viral therapies coming out now, but this is, uh, they use one called Newcastle disease virus, which is a poultry disease. It's completely harmless to humans, but it just happens to migrate into uh, brain tumor cells. So that combined with the heat from the electrohypothermia stimulates an immune response. So that's what she would have every day for five days. And um, we have, we've done two lots of dendritic cell vaccinations as well.
2: Yeah. And the people are really nice there. Yeah.
1: Are you still doing that now? Well, we haven't been out since Laura's last surgery because obviously surgery can't makes it difficult to fly mm. because of the, the implications of pressure. So we haven't been back out there. But And to be honest, we've just been very tentative because um, we weren't really sure what the situation was with Laura. Uh, and we're, we're still very much finding out. We obviously knew that the tumour had, had come back very quickly. Uh, she has had two weeks of radiotherapy. And the scan that she had last week shows a lot of information and we don't know at this stage whether that's whether that means that the immunotherapy has been unsuccessful and that the tumour has grown, or whether it's just the effects of the radiotherapy. It's still a little bit a little bit cloudy at the moment, but mm. you know, ideally, we could go back out there in January if possible. I, I don't know; we're just gonna have to see how we get on. But we we actually managed to get out all the way through COVID, when there was nobody flying anywhere. Because the dendritic vaccine had been made, and we had to get out there, and the ferries weren't even running at one point, so we found ourselves in all kinds of situations where we've had to. uh, Yeah, you've done you've done it by driving, and and that was a nightmare through COVID as well. Um, Yeah, because they got to Hull, and we're told that the NHS test that they'd had to say that they didn't have COVID wasn't suitable and they needed to come back and do a private test oh, God. and get that done within six hours so they could get the next ferry out so it's all been a bit of a nightmare but then uh, somebody very kindly saw us on twitter or saw a friend's post on twitter and um offered us the use of a private jet so we actually did, <laughs> <laughs> we did five trips out or, or or five journeys there and back uh using a private jet so that was really nice we were the only people really in Cologne Airport. <laughs> and there oh there were no other flights going in. There was just parcels and us.
0: Um, so yeah, so we found many, crazy so many reflections in. on. So <laughs> firstly, how hard it is being the mum of someone with cancer, particularly for a rare cancer, and and that's something I see with sarcomas. that they're, they're very rare, and the treatments haven't changed, and there aren't lots of good options. Secondly. You sound like you're a doctor. I don't know what your background <laughs> is, but the knowledge she really isn't. That's great green philosophy in a
2: play centre. <laughs> isn't it
0: incredible? When, sorry, Laura. So she knows more than the doctors often. Absolutely, but you, that explanation was was. I mean, I, I don't treat brain tumours, but that was textbook. That was so, <laughs> your your knowledge is like is amazing. And thirdly, the power of the community. And I know people. Mm you know shout at social media but it can be such a force for good in, oh, in yeah. the ways you've just described but also by what you guys are doing you know Absolutely. we can we can share we can share good stuff as as well as yeah and, and we've we've found social media to be uh incredibly
1: helpful you know people people really want to help they're really it's amazing actually people feel very involved in in yeah. Laura's story and they, they and they're willing on. her they're willing her to to do well and you know they really care about you know if they don't hear from me for a couple of days I'm getting messages how's Laura we haven't heard anything how is she (laughs) (laughs) you you don't really realize And, and obviously when we did our Christmas People wanted to just send cards and we have received Christmas. I mean, you can't really see, but our, our house is absolutely, well, you can probably see that. Our house yeah. is full of Christmas cards and they've come in from all around the world, really. You know, from all across America and Australia and Singapore. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. It's so global, isn't it? You know, Twitter is so global that we have we have friends all over the place who, who just really want Laura to do well. Um, no, but you, do, you learn fast you learn fast and you when when you're told that there isn't anything you think well there must be there must be something we can do to improve our chances so she's been taking a repurposed uh drug protocol as well through through a clinic in london and we consult with um an uh, an integrative an integrative um what would you say she's kind of been nutritionist and she knows loads about glioblastoma. So Laura takes lots of supplements. She actually, Laura uses a mask that probably, there's probably very few people in the world that are using it. It's an alcohol inhalation. So it's parallel alcohol that's found to break through the the blood brain barrier because treating brain tumors, treating any tumor is difficult. But when you have a, a, a literal physical barrier to getting drugs to the area that you want to get them to, it, you have to be so much more creative and, and lots of the molecules of drugs are just too big to get to permeate that, that barrier. So she takes a mask twice a day.
2: I'm on about 40 different tablets a day.
1: <laughs> yeah, she loves that.
0: I, 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 bet, I bet you do. <laughs> um, Laura, I, w- I want to ask you, um, so I saw something that you test your brain function using a Rebix cube. Do you still do that?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm actually um, struggling with it right now. I seem to have uh forgotten some of it. Um it's actually right next to me. <laughs> that must be for a sad
1: question. It's
2: stressing me out, but I
1: think you worry. need to just take the pressure off yourself a little bit. You're nearly there with it. You just need to just
0: yeah. I actually bought my brother-in-law one for Christmas because I saw that on um on <laughs> your Twitter. So <laughs> I never managed to do one. Well,
2: I need to do it again and then muddle it up and then film myself doing it so I don't forget it. <laughs>
1: you're very determined aren't you when you set your mind on something she's decided she wants to do a masters now at
2: King's again it's online so it should be alright but
0: yeah you seem to have a you seem to have found a balance that works for you living with your situation and finding a way to get through each day yeah Mm.
2: yeah I don't want to just be like, "Oh yeah, I had cancer, and that was my life." I want to get on and do something after this as well. Not just have cancer be my whole story. Yep,
0: I That's think for that, <laughs> I think anyone who's seen you on any of the many news articles would say you might be there because of cancer, but you are so not all just about cancer. Thank you. <laughs> I completely agree with that mm. <laughs> oh i'm gonna I know you guys have got a Christmas party to go to, but um, as I say, a lot of I said to my my partner, i'm gonna have a chat with um with a mum and a young lady who's got brain cancer uh who's like on a Sunday, <laughs> but I knew <laughs> that it would just well, be a you. conversation awesome. that would it, it doesn't sound like it should be a Christmas conversation, but actually what you guys Are doing and living, just eking out every little bit of joy that you can find from life. That's that's. I mean, if that's not about you know, doesn't fit in with Christmas, then I don't know what what does. It's really, yeah, really inspiring. And you know, it's yeah, it's been uplifting as well as sad sometimes. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We're all about the
1: positives, aren't we? As far as we can be. She's going to a smash room this week. To a what? A smash room. <laughs> What's one of those? Virtually what it sounds like. You go in a room and you smash things oh, wow. up. A <laughs> <laughs> sister bought it as a Christmas present for last year and we haven't had the opportunity to use it. So yeah, I think that's Wednesday, isn't it? You get you get to go and throw things and smash things up. <laughs> oh that
2: sounds that's a
0: great idea for Christmas presents. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Especially
2: after getting this new um tumor growth. Mm. Yeah. Once again get rid of some of that. Yeah. <laughs> we should we should book and like do like monthly.
1: Yeah monthly sessions. We don't need therapy. We just need to smash things up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Is there anything either of you want want to say to anyone who's listening before we finish?
1: Uh, I would say a massive thank you to everyone who supported us on this journey because we honestly we couldn't be more grateful for the people that have supported us, whether it's donating to a Laura's treatment fund or whether it's just sending a, a message or just i don 't know there's just so many ways that people have helped yeah. uh, and, and the other thing that we'd say is, please familiarize yourself with the symptoms of brain tumors, and they can be many and varied depending on where the tumor is but if you're a mum, you know your own child. You know when something's not right and and you may well be told that it's, it's stress or migraines or it's... Book and
2: eye test Yeah, it, if you're I not getting say. anywhere,
1: book an eye test. Get someone to have a look at the back of the eyes as well and trust your own instincts. And, you know, I know people that have gone back and forth to to doctors um, they don't for, know months, for months and not got anywhere. And I think it's difficult if it's a teenage... A teenage child as well because there are lots of other things that that could be explanations and it's almost like it
2: could be stress for me yeah
1: it could be stress it could be it could be many things and I think there's that temptation that if it if it sounds like it's got hooves it's a horse and sometimes it is a zebra and I think you know yourself if it's if it's something that's outside of of what you would consider normal for your the person that you love you will know them best and you sometimes you have to be persistent and you have to uh fight to get that scan unfortunately i think i think the nhs is under so much pressure at the moment and 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 these things are easy to get fobbed off a little bit and and i think yeah as laura says Get an optician. Get a get an point of view from an optician if you're really struggling to get anywhere with your GP. But if there's more than one of those symptoms that that crop up on the head smart card, you do need to act quickly. And and um,
2: loss of balance.
1: Yeah, loss of balance, nausea, headaches, um, sight
2: issues. Too.
1: I mean, I know somebody who's who's. Who, one of the symptoms that presented itself was smelling burnt toast or thinking you know everybody or constant deja vu there are so many different symptoms that may that may be the clues but you have to just know your own know yourself know your own person and and if it's not right really push for for help yeah.
0: I think that's good advice. Don't um if you think something's wrong, don't and and you get a doctor who says it's not, it's all right to ask a second one and get a second yeah, opinion yeah, yeah. and a third one if necessary. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um Thank have you. have a wonderful Christmas and birthday. Okay. Enjoy the <laughs> smash room. And um I will look forward to seeing what you're up to, Laura, through your mum's Twitter. Um because Thank I'm you. sure there's many more cool, fun things that are gonna Definitely. happen. I'm working on them. <laughs> it's a full time um, job. <laughs> it absolutely well. I bet it is. I bet it is. This um, this conversation really reminds me of one I had with with Gillian Sewell actually. Who um, she was a mum of a patient of mine, and they they did some amazing stuff as well, and lived every possible day. It was um, yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, have a lovely Christmas. I'll let you go. Wow, aren't they both amazing? Um, This conversation actually really reminded me or brought me back to the conversation I had with Gillian Sewell uh, back in season one. Gillian uh, is the mum of uh, Lewis, um, a patient of mine who died of cancer when he was just 18. Um, And I think Nicola and Laura are another family who are living with cancer. They're facing something that every family never wants to face but they're determined to make every moment count and i think that's a motto that we can all live by um even more so with christmas just around the corner Um, I really hope you enjoyed the episode as much as me if you did why not share it with a friend or even better give us a rating or a review on whichever platform listened Um, I think this really does help us get our get the podcast out to more listeners Um, we really love hearing from you so if you've got ideas for new guests comments feedback um, any suggestions please do get in touch on social media And if you're a new listener and you want to find out more about the work we do uh, at Move Charity, go and check out our websites, movecharity.org and 5kyourway.org. And on that note... 2023 should bring uh one big uh blended better website uh together exciting times uh anyway this is it now for us for 2022 but we will be back in 2023 thank you so much to everyone who supported us over the last year um and in the meantime have a very lovely happy christmas and new year bye